Inception. A note on associations and impressions, or that they come from somewhere. It's a shuffling of images superimposed onto the air. Another's reality takes shape, gathers into a perceivable object in the imagination, and bleeds and leaks its contents and viscera piecemeal upon the witness. These dreams harden and congeal, and progressively over time become concrete and immovable. The slides of what's presented to the onlooker merge with their experience and are thus fixed and stiff. The only weapon that can destroy perception is experience. One must be confronted by reality to destroy perception. What did you once imagine of that nation? I perceived mirrors, glass, imitation, propaganda, militarism, microchapels, anti-Semitism, idols, 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 idols. It's back language teaching. I'm so popular. Uh, last week, we were live in Shibuya talking about Kahara Tomomi. It's a great episode. And now we are on the other side of the, of the Sea of Japan. Here we are, live in Konkoku. We're in Korea. I'm here with a special guest. Who are you? Uh, Brixton. Hey. Hello. Why are we friends, Brixton? I followed you on Twitter, and I think... Uh, I became an avid fan of, of your podcast and uh, maybe through the Discord, I think it's how we first got acquainted with one another. <laughs> I just saw a man so beautiful, it stopped oh, me in my oh, tracks. Look, look right here, you should be, should be, uh, look at this, uh, yeah, right there. You see? Right inside. <laughs> oh. With biceps, like, two times the size of your face. Uh, yes, yeah, so you followed me on the Discord, all of that good stuff. Right. I think that I first stumbled upon your your Twitter by a, a, uh, a spat you were having with uh, zero, zero age, shit, love shit. That's right. Zero talent, Lovecraft. Oh my God! Every time you take two steps, there's a new Asian bodybuilder waiting to assault you. Um, so. Oh, I forgot to ask you, what are you doing? Well, I'm walking... Uh, that's a really important question. ...through the very lively streets of Itaewon, uh, surrounded by Koreans and foreigners alike. Uh, and just we uh, just finished having live octopus at this very uh, quaint, cute uh, little restaurant near, <laughs> outside of Itaewon Station, where uh, Zach was accosted by a beautiful dropkick gorgeous uh, woman yes she hit on me I had to turn her down I wish I had and I wish I would have just done it <laughs> um, so yes as uh, suggested we are in Korea for the explicit purpose of recording um, the final statement on the nation of Konkoku Korea I have had a very storied set of opinions and um, preconceived ideas about the country and in the last 24 hours I've been here so far, uh, I've been proven wrong about every single one of them. <laughs> so... Well, to begin with, well, you, you were mentioning to me earlier about, um, you feel like the image that, that Korea tries to maybe kind of put forward or, or market itself as 
is not the charming career that you that you've uh, that you've come to love. Maybe there is. <laughs> well, I think my hesitance came from somewhere valid, yes. which was that the great mass of popular Korean art that's exposed to the public. Very sanitary. It's very, very scrubbed clean. It's very sanitary. And it's uh, postmodern in the way that everything is just a pile of conventions and uh, storytelling beats taken from uh, something else. So even like the, the what's kind of popularly understood to be like the great Korean films like Parasite, they end up feeling quite a bit like pastiche. And that was kind of my whole idea of the country in the first place was that it was like this uh, steaming pile of things accumulated from other countries and I think I am still a little bit right about no, I that. Think, I think that's not an unfair assessment not at all. Yeah and but I think actually what ends up making the whole country so much more interesting is actually because of that and you mentioned that like I have like this squeaky clean pristine image oh it's beginning to rain I think it's just a couple drops. Maybe okay. So I had that, you know, that like very pristine, like laser-finished, glistening K-pop idea of Korea because that's what you said as well is, is constantly, you know, portrayed by most of the women who come visit here. Yes, yeah. Why do you think it is that that image is so communicated? Well, I think it's the, the kind of um, demographic that Korea attracts is not all that different from the kind of demographic that attracted maybe the girls, uh, many, many girls of maybe just a few generations ago, you know, flower boys, yes, uh, that kind of stuff. Since Japan was very well known for early 2000s. You're getting absolutely assaulted by that, by that one club. Uh, yeah, you're right, exactly right that it is like flower girl BL fans who like just love pretty boys and uh, I don't know, but although I will, I will say about in a slight defense of, of Korean pop culture as well. I do feel like they they drive a, a, a close line between the kind of cuteness of Japanese J-pop and, and gay culture and the kind of sexy, more adult appeal of American culture. I do feel like they, they straddle that line a little more skillfully than some other countries. Right, right. Well, for me, like. When I first um, was getting back into Japanese pop music, I was doing it simultaneously with um, with Korean pop music, yeah. and I was very into like Jonghyun at the time, yeah. and I liked Twice a lot back then, yeah. and uh, I had like a fondness for Wonder Girls, and uh, before like Twice and Jonghyun and like uh, you know some of the shiny stuff, K-pop was like actually very scuzzy and nasty and slutty, and it was like a lot of like these like girls like doing like very salacious dances in the shortest skirts you've ever seen with that like yellow filter on it yeah. well very much i feel like in in those early days maybe they had, le had less of their uh, their footing in terms of uh building a, a unique k-pop aesthetic right 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 and, and now they have it's kind of like finally reached its like uh finishing point and uh I, you know, I'm still not crazy about K-pop. <laughs> I do think if we if we go to some of these clubs and you 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 had a small taste of that uh, yes. yesterday, I heard uh, seeing some some middle-aged men doing K-pop dances up on stage at a at a gay bar. Hopefully, maybe if we go to some of the clubs here and you have another chance to yeah. experience that. You no, know, even like, if you don't like the music yourself, the spectacle of of these boys and their 
the ability to, do, they have all these dances memorized mm -hmm. to the T. Uh, they synchronize with each other immediately. Uh, it's just, yeah. Now, we're, we're going first to that um, dive bar, right? Oh, do you want to go to the dive bar first? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's, it's, uh, it's that way? Down. Okay. Gotta get a few drinks in before I can make an appearance. Your debut. My debut. Yeah, so that was kind of like my main idea about like Korean pop music is that like, it's like very sinister and generic. Um, but like last night you mentioned that I like, had gone to a bar with Ronald who we're meeting later tonight. And um, while we were there, I like saw all of these like butch, like 32 year old men like performing in these extremely like synchronized, like perfectly like choreographed like dance routines that they must have like labored to like yeah. memorize. And uh, seeing something that is, you know, pretty generic and boring to me actually like deployed like to such like joy of like these gay people having so much fun doing it, I definitely did get a taste. Yes, yeah. First thing I noticed on my flight into Korea out of Narita Airport in Tokyo was um, that they were playing K-pop on the sound system and the way the male flight attendant's uniform clung around his biceps. I am always at least uh, latently cognizant of male beauty. It's an undercurrent in my worldview and my entire life sometimes feels animated by fleeting appearances of... Uh, beautiful musculatures stretching out of shirt sleeves and the sudden revelation of a previous invisible beauty when a man changes his expression. I've spent so much of my life longing to literalize and make tangible that subterranean drive towards male eroticism that sometimes when I'm seeing it repressed or isolated out of art, I become like actually furious. <laughs> like, hearing the generic sputtering EDM on the cabin's PA system while my attendant walked by me with all 187 centimeters of his beautiful height, it just couldn't have been more of a ham-fisted metaphor for what I felt about the whole K-pop thing. And I think part of what disturbed me so endlessly about Korean pop music hearing the metallic and clinging iron of a Blackpink song as they sexlessly rap imitations of American music. What um, disturbs me so much was just that void of Eros. On first impression, this music seemed to subjugate the same jagged impulses of desire and perversion that pulsate so severely through American and Japanese music. It seemed to iron those drives out and obliterate them from the world. And watching it become the lingua franca of globalism's popular culture, I had no choice but to bitterly decide to oppose all of it outright, 100%. But, um, of course I should have known better because there's no such thing as a truly asexual entity. All art, 
all representations and symbols of the human experience intrinsically carry those same impulses. They become warped and more camouflaged, more deeply embedded and harder to unearth. But once you've identified the impulse, you'll never be able to ignore it again. The straining wills of the universe are about to burst from the confines of Korean pop music sheen, like the biceps from the shirt of the cabin attendant. So as we're uh, walking around a little bit in Itaewon, we were discussing uh, the mythos and perils of Korean pop music, my personal experience with it, and uh, now we've stepped into a country bar. A dive bar. A dive bar, a country bar in Itaewon. Yes. We're having some gin tonics, rum cokes, and we're joined by one extra guest. Who are you? A returning guest. That's right. I am Ronald. Hi, Ronald. Welcome back to I'm So Popular. Thank you for The last time I was on, you were on mine. That's right. I went on, yeah, because um, Ronald works for Arama Japan, a great music publication, and uh, hosts their podcast as well. We had a lovely two-part discussion about Utari Hikaru's uh, Bad Mode, a wonderful album, and uh, Ronald is joining us here in Korea tonight. Um, Ronald, we're, we're thinking a little bit about the mystery and the appeal of Korea. What? Zach's recently been evangelized. That's uh, right. We're, 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 we're trying to okay. you know, piece together what exactly the poll is being. So the, the thing is, though, the appeal of Korea literally comes down to the men. The men? The men. Okay, because let's talk about it. Because the thing is, though, is that there are so many young women who around the world who are supporters of Korean pop culture due to the fact that they are infatuated with the image of the men that is projected. They're strong, they're masculine, but they're also gentle, they're patient, they're loving, they're in touch with their emotions. That's, this, that's this, the image. This, this is the draw of Korea, but this isn't, I don't think this is the, the kind of manufactured male ideal that, that, uh, that Korea is trying to attracts all these women with is not the this isn't the, the charm that I think Zach is experiencing right now. This has been what's kind of put him off for so long. Yes, I think that's exactly right. Because like the image of like the perfect like prince charming boyish it's too calculated anti-violent. Yes, yeah. Because like there is like a missing element of death in the idealized Korean pop idol. There there's no essence of threat. Which is which is ironic given they have all the, the historical tools with which to kind of grapple with that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. Ronald is showing us an article on CNN Travel titled The, the Netflix, Netflix Effect, Effect, Why Western Women Are Heading to South Korea in Search of Love. I mean, it makes a lot of sense that this would happen to women in this in this era because like... But I mean, the, 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 great, the great thing is that, I mean, you, you very... Uh, aptly described the image which uh, which Korea is trying to portray, but these women come. It's not real. And it's, it's not. They don't because get what they what they the horror story. What Korea is trying to sell. They get what Zach is experiencing. What yeah, yeah, the yeah. horror story in this article. Yeah. Like the women were just like, I have had men rope my breasts. I have had men come up to me and say, How much for sex? Oh yeah. There, there's a whole cu- culture culture around. Uh, you know. Uh, it's called hunting, and uh, Korean men, they love to, they'll, they'll walk up to girls and, and ask them, you know, are you open? And to them, open means, they're like, oh, we love Americans, Americans are so open. To them, that just means they're open for sex, they're like, they, 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 
one night stands and that kind of thing. And so because the article, all the girls are just gets completely traumatized. Their, their yeah. flower boy image is just shadows before their very eyes. The article was saying that basically, like, you have this image of these men in your head, but at the end of the day, these men are going to end up marrying a Korean woman to satisfy their family, and you are simply here as a horn woman for a fast sex with them until they can find their perfect Korean girl and marry them. Right, and so of course this is uh, this reality is disgusting and shocking for probably most women. I mean, I think probably there's a lot of women who come here and like uh, they're able to kind of craft their Korean life as as you were as you would. Like they can like kind of hover in like the cheese layer of the fantasy. Like they can find a way to live within the boundaries of that dream. Right. However. Keep the wool in front of their eyes long enough. Yeah. These women are still living the dream while they're even here because they talked to some hostel and hotel owners in the article and they said the women that come from various countries, they will not leave their hotel rooms until night. They will spend all day in their rooms watching dramas and then go out at night looking for men. This is kind of like the, the, this generation's new uh, Paris syndrome. Of like uh, you know Japanese traveling to Paris and, and becoming entering huge fits of despair at the at the fact that, that it doesn't live up to their expectations. Yeah, absolutely. And like I think uh, it makes so much sense that like this would happen right now, where it's like because of uh, sexual politics in the 21st century, like it's so built around decentralizing any threat in the male, like. Women are like really like hungry for like falsely they they don't actually want this but they've been tricked into thinking they do they think that they want like a completely safe risk free sexuality where everything is done very daintily with a doily and with no like tragedy or drama or threat of violence so it makes so much sense to me that like these women like get sucked into the fantasy and then come here chasing it but when I came here and found that this K-pop sheen of Christine. It's a farce. It's just not there. An absolute farce, yeah. I want to say, I was shocked last night. Truly. I was put on my ass because I was like, oh my god, like this is like almost a third world country. <laughs> like, it is, there's absolutely like these like beautiful like skyscrapers of technological like achievement. And then like on the same block there is a trash fire. Like literally. Well, you feel the inertia of, of the, the, the rapid movement from what was a, a country extremely impoverished and... and the inertia. Yes. yes, you can absolutely feel it because like in World War II, Japan had everything blown down, burnout. out, there was nothing there and like the inertia isn't quite as much there for Japan because it's all, you know, it's that, what you see of Japan right now is all like... Korea's, Korea's economy is being is studied by like macro, macro economists all over the place because it's, it's one of the fastest growing economies in the world. It's really like a, a, a marvel. Um, but yeah, I feel like the older generation, even just people's grandparents, they live in completely different worlds. The poverty among the elderly population here is honestly very upsetting to kind of see on the street right. all the time. And, yeah. I mean, it's very upsetting, but it gives me a rush. <laughs> I was so riveted. I like literally. I swear to God, Your like head is spinning when you're going back and forth between one world and the world. other. Like last night when we were by my hotel, and I was like, "Look at this block here across the street," and it's just like literally. I took this video today, and I was like, "This is like Zach's dream of Korea." Yes. 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 Uh, 
It's just like lights, like neon from like 1974. And then like across the street is like a giant new glass and steel tower. A four-point Sheridan. Yeah, and like that stuff totally does exist. And I do want to correct you on one thing. That is not my dream of Korea. That was my nightmare of it. <laughs> because I was really like with like the you know, I know you disagree a little bit, but I really have not been riveted by any Korean movie in the last 10 years, with the one exception of The Handmaiden. And, like, it made me really depressed to, like, see a whole culture's, like, output be so... Okay, but you, you've come here, and you, you've seen Behind the Veil. Yes. And so I feel like, perhaps, this is only... Like, it exists, surely, somewhere. I'm, I'm, I'm not very well versed in a lot, in a lot of like, Korean media as well, but I, I think... Having had the same kind of experience as you, I'm confident that it exists. Yes. This is not being, it's not put out on the front lines because it's not part of the, the image that and it actually, want to manufacture. It actually makes me think that like the plasticity and styrofoam texture of things like Parasite and like the totally sexless, like, uh, like, like misanthropic nihilism of it. I think actually now it is a little bit more interesting to me because that is like the, their shield. Yes. What they have chosen to like erect is their like, barrier against the rest of the world is a totally fake plastic lie and something inside of it is so much more fascinating. Well, I really think if you, I I know you don't like Parasite, I think if you give it another shot, looking, accepting the veneer, uh, watch, watching the veneer kind of be constructed in front of you and trying to peer past it at this darker uh, the version of Korea that you've experienced. I am actually, I was thinking the same thing earlier today was I am interested in re-watching it now and seeing if my like my thoughts like really change about it because I mean so I, I just wanted, no there's a light flashing <laughs> but like I, I feel like actually there might be something more meaty there than I originally Zach yeah. Lily Chi admits he's wrong two times in one day it's a world oh, record so I want to say something about Korea's their image, yeah. So the thing is, though, is that earlier this week, we were in, me and my friend Hannah, who was on the Utah episode, my co-host, we were in Busan, and we were talking to this professor of East Asian and Korean popular culture at Busan National University. And so I was, like, telling her, like, we were talking about, like, K-pop in general. And I said the thing that annoyed me about K-pop was around 2007, there was a shift. Because she's been in Korea since, like, the late 90s. And she was just like... Yeah, so basically Korea realized they could make money if they changed the image of the country and put support on that was family friendly. So it was like a washing away of everything cheap, skanky, and sexy. And this like yeah. edifice that is more family friendly that plays well in a lot of Muslim countries like the Middle East, like Southeast Asia. And when you come to Korea, a lot of tourists you see will be from Southeast Asia and the Middle East. So, it's like Korea created this edifice of itself, this artifice, sorry, because it makes them money. Well, I want to know, I feel like Japan is not very dissimilar from Korea in the sense that their image is extremely manufactured as yes, well. Yes, it is. What do you think is, what, why, why do you think, I mean, Japan, cool, I mean, cool Japan was a little bit cringy, but I mean, for the most part, the, the culture as, as Japan tries to present it to the world, it works. It's, and, and it has very lasting cultural power as well. It feels sophisticated and, and I don't know. No, I think you're exactly right, and I was thinking about that too. I think what 
Japan does is it mythologizes its past. Yes. It knows that there's a lot of colloquial image that is very, like, you hit it on the nose, you hit the nail, and it immediately makes sense. What that image is? Samurai, kimono, geisha, sushi. You know, you do all that. It's also one of, the, one of the oldest literary histories on the planet as well. There's so much philosophy and, and novels, poetry yes. to work with. Kind of Korean's history is far too. It's much, it's much more recent. Well, not, not necessarily. It's just been interrupted so many times, and they've yeah, so like the Japanese colonialism or, or what have you. They haven't had a really had a chance to. The thing about Japan is that it is a bunch of government officials who are pushing traditional culture in Japan. So the thing is, though, there are two images. There's like two popular images of Japan. There's like the traditional one. And then there's like the like otaku anime manga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. The Japanese government, Cool Japan, wants nothing to do with that otaku shit. Well, they try. They try to tap into it. Well, it's like, funny because the way they do it is they do Hatsune Miku and Mario at their airport Mario. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like literally just Hatsune Miku. For some reason, they love her, the government. But anyway, yeah, you're right. They won't because like I remember like one of the big things. So there was like this big. Asia Nikkei Financial News came out with an article a couple years ago about how cool Japan was a flop. And they were just like, oh, you opened an Isetan store in Paris and in Kuala Lumpur and you were selling like $500 rooms when people really wanted like Arashi CDs. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, but you were, I, I was, I'm really interested in what you were saying earlier about how like Korea gets, keeps getting interrupted because last night Ron and I went to Namsoon Tower is that how you say that? Namsan? Namsan. Yeah. Namsan Tower. And it's so fascinating that like you look at this mountainous city that has like these uh, large like like hills and mountains erupting out of it. Just completely like engulfed in buildings and then there are the mountains and then it all just stops. Yeah. Because you know, right immediately beyond that distance is an ineffable horror. The looming threat of North Korea is so interesting and creates this like really like I feel like it creates something very unique in the culture here. Well, it permeates a lot of their media as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and it doesn't sometimes in a very like canny and silly way. Um, my boyfriend and I watched this drama on uh, Netflix that was like a woman accidentally crash lands in North Korea, and it's very light-hearted and jovial. Actually, funny enough, talking about the North Korean threat, linking back to Parasite, what are those like subterranean apartments called? What are they called? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, they're the apartments that the family lives in in the beginning. They're like semi-basement apartments. The reason why those apartments exist is because they were just sort of fallout shelters. That's why all, the, that's why all the, 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 the stations, the especially stations. in this area, they're very deep. They're bomb shelters. They all, and they also all have like emergency nuclear bomb, like defense mechanisms in every station. And it is a shocking reminder. In Tokyo, it's for, for gas attacks, and for here, it's for the threat of nuclear war. Yeah. My hotel room has like emergency flashlights. <laughs> They're ready. Yeah. I mean, it could happen any second. Uh, it's like, well, Japan has the impending doom of natural disaster. Yes. And uh, Korea has the impending doom of what can happen with an evil dictator and, uh, you know, humanity at its, its coldest. And, and we could all be medicine any moment. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's why I admire and, and enjoy these Asian cultures so much is because 
I love apocalypse. I love the end of the world. I love the entire meaning of humanity rendered in one moment, and the threat of that in North Korea and Japan is constantly fascinating. And that's and that's and that's this which brings us right back to the the sanmakji that we ate earlier. Your octopus. Yeah, we uh, ate, so we ate it's, this it's, live it's, octopus. It's, this is built. This is programmed into one of. Korea's most famous dishes, the, the live octopus, which can asphyxiate you at any moment of this, these tentacles squirming in, in your throat and, and suctioning to, to your You have to your chew mouth. death. <laughs> like, you literally have to, like, put death in your mouth and then chew it and beat it and swallow it down. It's very artistic. remained so deeply entrenched in the knots and soils of the culture that I still had my doubts as to if it would show up at all. Seol's gunk and grime and homeless people were making it clear, what I should have known from the beginning, that my perceptions constructed from echoes of K-pop and film were never going to be totally real. But a few images from my first night in the city truly began to yield the thread I was digging for. There was an older man and a younger woman on Thursday night, both deeply drunk and shouting at each other in Korean that I could not decipher as angry or ecstatic. I watched the woman leap onto the man, screaming, and then lurch away back for the sidewalk before he gave chase and grabbed her by the wrist. They both toppled back onto the ground, the woman against a towering glass window plastered with notices, before the tone of her voice shifted and she began to stroke his face and they started to kiss. In the tense seconds in which this all transpired, I immediately recalled the envious looks I passed towards my college roommates doing the same thing with fraternity brothers. Every time I'd been at a club in America watching girls get tossed around by imposing men before wrapping themselves up in their mouths. How honestly jealous I'd felt seeing this carnality come rushing up to the surface when I had always just felt like an onlooker. It's not something you almost ever see in Japan either, even in the most decadent homosexual, uh, <laughs> homosexual or heterosexual bars, honestly. This behavior rarely manifests, and never until really the ending hours of the night. When I think about the times I've seen this in gay clubs, it's felt even more sparkling and overwhelming to me because it's so out of place. But on the streets of Seoul, I watched it happen, and I said to Ronald walking beside me in total amazement, in the realm of the senses. I think you're gonna like on the staircase up, there's a, they have a, they play a little documentary, this old uh, televised homophobic documentary, uh, oh. like um, cataloging, oh, not cataloging, you know, like, 
showing what Itaewon is about and how degenerate it is and all that kind of stuff. Ah. But it's like this very old, it's kind of, yeah. Yeah, so now we're stepping out of the country bar um, for straight people, and now we are going to Homo Hill. Okay, wait, Brisbane, come over here and tell me a little bit about Homo Hill, please. Well, we're on, we're technically actually on part of Homo Hill right now. That's the straight bar we were at is the, probably the lone straight bar okay. in this neighborhood. But we're just going to take a, a brief right turn. Homo Hill is just basically the, the part of Itaewon where all of the, the bigger gay clubs and, and right. bars are kind of conglomerated. Now, Nichome to... for me in Shinjuku is like a very important, like, foundational soul place for me. Do you right. have strong associations with... Oh, Homo Hill. For sure, yes. This is, this is like the most happening gay spot of, in Korea for sure. Shinjuku is much wider and kind of far-reaching. Yeah. Uh, although I do feel like in Shinjuku, the, the bars are a little bit more spread out. Here I feel like it's a little bit more concentrated. Okay. Uh, there are fewer bars, of course, but they fill up quite a bit and they're quite... I, I personally think that the, the club scene is a little bit more exciting, dare I say, in a in Seoul than it is in Tokyo. Just right. because the the, um, the scale is a little bigger as far as the larger clubs go. But you you will be the you can be the judge of that right here. Here? Yeah. Oh wait, do you think the ATM will take foreign money? Mm -hmm. Oh, oh foreign card. card. There you go. Okay. Can you hold the mic? Yeah. Uh, right beside us, there are some people having like a very third world, <laughs> I'm not a very developing country. Crocs. Uh, what appears to be a flip phone. Foreign card English. Visa. Checking account withdrawal. It's just like really funny to me seeing like the homeless people. <laughs> Say that again, please. It's really funny no, seeing it's, what? It's really funny me seeing the homeless people and then like literally I have seen levels and this is like someone that works in luxury. I have seen levels of luxury in this country, this city that have blown New York, Paris, London, Tokyo out of the water. It's like the Latte main department store. Oh my God. You guys have four Chanel stores in one building. Four separate ones. Like three Dior's, two Bulgari's. It's, 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 it's insanity. No, it's just ratchet. <laughs> I like that they put. Well, their, you like it. You I like do. Like I like that they put their ATMs outside of the store. I think it's funny. Oh, yeah, I guess they're in, they're inside the Seven Eleven in Japan. I was annoyed that they didn't have every like Seven Eleven didn't have one. But do you realize what kind of ATM you're I'm at right look, now? They didn't even. Did they give me the money? Oh, these are all Tens. ten thousands. Yeah. Okay. Do you realize what kind of ATM you're at right now? A ratchet one. Yes. No. Look there. The Lotte ATM. It's not very glam, <laughs> which so is why fun. I love it. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna step inside. Yeah, the honestly, gate. look, there's some gay people going in. Maybe Zach would, honestly, would really hate Gangnam action now that I'm thinking about it. I, I, I wanted to maybe That's go, Gangnam is, but is what is, that is what Korea wants everyone to go visit. Why? Why would I hate it? Polish. Yeah, it's very, very polished. Yeah. 
in the words well yeah because you love being a bougie little art bitch who you're a little I amateur went, art collector I went to, like the gay guy i follow on instagram i went to his cafe his little like gay cafe chain oh today. do you have your masks on yeah, oh my god wait they li holy shit oh my god no look at this it's a showgirls poster they just totally stole the showgirls art verbatim and it's oh transgender this club can you read can you read it the oh, word noble does that mean transgender club noble is like what you call your your uh, partner yobo yobo oh yeah. it's, like it's japanese like, it's like honey yokubo desire oh my god this is like maybe my favorite yeah, I'm like, I cannot believe they just are, they just stole the showgirls poster with the leg. The slimy hot dog leg. Oh, almost fell and died. Okay, we're entering a vibe shift. Entering a vibe shift. Oh, this is the documentary. I hear mixed reviews from, well, actually most of the gay guys I know are quite upset about it, but I think it's kind of a good thing to have at least one There space always needs to be can, one. There, we, we kind of, we depend on girls to kind of spread our gospel to the, to the straight world. Yes, I, I agree with that. There yeah. is a very specific role for the fag hag in the world. Yeah. It's important. But and, then and many a fag hag will make an appearance here. Yeah. And their numbers are growing. Question for you. Yeah. So, something that I noticed is that Itaewon is more, there's, I see more women, like, bag acts in Itaewon compared to Jongno. Well, yeah, I think probably because Jongno is the traditional gay district, and those guys are probably a lot more undercover, like, kind of undercover, and are not I, really yeah. interested in mingling with uh, women. straight girls and all that kind of stuff. It's probably a lot more traumatizing, maybe too strong a word, but... What if one day your son or your daughter or your husband was doing gay sex, what would you do? Well, let's find out. <laughs> Okay, so we've made it into our first bar of the night. What's the name of it again? Kokkiri. Kokkiri? Kokkiri, yeah. Oh, that was, that was good. I was saying it like it was a Japanese word. Yeah. It means elephant. Kokkiri desu ka? Kokkiri desu. Wakarimashita. It means elephant. Oh. It literally, ko means no, like a nose and kiri means long, just long nose. They only call elephants long noses? That's so cute. Well, um, first impressions, Ronald. Okay, so I've been here, well, this is like my fourth night going out since I've been in Korea, and I've been to a couple of gay places, but this is like the first one that isn't like K-pop centric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It actually reminds me a lot of New York. In what way? Um, just the vibe. Well, I mean, they're playing house music. It's yeah. very trendy. People are dancing and they're young and well-dressed. It's not like the other place I've been to where like, it could be like a 35-year-old like bear or like a 20-year-old twink and they're doing choreographed girl group dancing. This right. honestly is actually not a very bad place to go for like uh, celebrity sightings as well. Lots of models come here. There's a, a guy named Tony Hong. Have you heard of him? It's like the pretty much the only public uh, 
gay figure. The bald guy. Yeah, the bald guy who owns like pretty much all the bars um, in this neighborhood. But he, he he's come here a couple of times. And, yeah. Are you saying one guy owns a ton of different one guy? Like, Homo Hill is his is basically his creation, as far as I understand it. So what's his story? Who is he? I don't actually know very much about him. I just know that he like appears on lots of tele like um, variety shows. variety shows and that kind of stuff. Kind of. Maybe in the in the air of like Matsuko Deluxe, but a uh, to totally different personality. Not a drag queen or anything, but okay, yeah. understood. Interesting, yeah. and he's bald publicly and gay. gay. Yeah, bald, gay, very nice glasses. glasses. Yeah, is he respected? Yeah, he's quite respected. Pastel uh, suit jackets. People like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pastel, pastel suit jackets. Like like baby blue suit, white t-shirt. Yeah. Okay. He's got a YouTube channel, I think. A variety of handsome, strapping. Lads that he has following I, everywhere. I think I can't say that I can make any certain conclusions off of what we've seen so far, but one thing I know for certain is that, after all, the men do look good. Very pretty boys here. Yeah, there is some. Okay, people often comment this about like Japanese men is that they're very pretty, you know. I mean, and that remains true here as well. But there is like an, a, a little bit of a higher level of like awareness with the with the gay men. I feel like. Uh. I have to insert something here. Please do. I would say, out of everywhere I've been, I think the guys in Korea are the best looking. And I went. I spent a week and a half in Brazil this year. Oh, okay. What, so what is it that makes well, that I, happen? I, I, when I think about, especially Japan versus Korea, I always say that Japan is far more beautiful women because, you know, typically, Japanese people tend to have softer features, very soft noses, soft right. jaws, and that kind of thing. And also, you know, often have big eyes and that kind of thing, uh, which suits the female face. Uh, typical, uh, you know, fits the female beauty standards a lot better. And Koreans are often known for having very angular features. They have, often have very high cheekbones. Yeah. yeah, the cheekbones is the thing I always hear the most. And I mean, I mean it's, it's a mixed bag, obviously, in either country, but I think of generally looking at those. Well, one of the things that I like looked at first Nick's was like realized that every guy's ex-military. Yeah, you did. Uh, you mentioned that to me uh, before I got here, I think, and that's definitely true. Is that like they're their ruggedness? They've all gone through this this kind of initiation and uh, what they whether they like to or not, whether they like to or not. I mean, it sounds almost like a bad thing. It's like enroll everyone <laughs> in the military, and then all the men will naturally be uh, hotter. Bap, Bap would oh love, my god! Would love you know what reminds me of what? Israel. Israel, because oh, they have conscri conscripted, conscripted military service as well. Yes, and they're also at, like, a big gay hub as well. Tel Aviv. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've never been. I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I go there, I can never go to Palestine. Darn. Wait, I think Brazil has. I think in Brazil you have to go to the military too. Is this some... I don't think so. I'm not sure about that. I don't think. I don't know. Brazil's not at war with anybody. Well, if that's true, then there might be some thread to kind of dig out. You might be onto something. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> seems a little obvious, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what if American men went into the military? Would it, like, change their perspectives? Or would they be whining ninnies about it? Would they be doing IT jobs? Why don't you tell us your story? Are you in what? the military? No. What story? You're an American man still. What do you? What Am is your, I? I how, forgot. What is your perception of the American military? Do you think that it's, it remains an emblem of, of American masculinity? Or do no. You think, do you think that it's? <laughs> I think all of the men I've ever known who've gone into the military have been like gay guys who are like overweight and furries Same and wear glasses. <laughs> Sorry, I described one specific person I know who went into the military. When I think of the American military, I think of like a way for 
people who are lower on the socioeconomic ladder as a way of coming up. It's kind of like a cop. Yeah. Like, if you become, like, a cop or, like, a military person, you can, like, claw your way to the middle class. Oh, my God. Speaking of cops, I saw the hottest cop yesterday. All of, like, the men in, like, official service jobs here, like, you know, like, military officials, cabin attendants, cops. Oh, my God. They're so small, and they cut them very high above the biceps, so you are grotesquely revealing every small fiber of their musculature. It's very vulgar. I'm looking right now back into the bar, which is it's divided from a glass it's window. It's filled up a little bit. It's filled up, but... How would you describe the clientele uh, as opposed to... Because Zach went to the other gay district, uh, the, the older gay district in, in Seoul, known as Tongno, which is... You, you enjoyed, I guess, but this is obviously a very different vibe. How would you describe... It's younger. Um, it's, it's a little more ubiquitous. Like... This does feel like a place anyone could go. I'm not quite yet, aside from that wonderful documentary and the big trans showgirls ad, oh my god. I, there, would, there would be almost nothing that would clue me that this is a, a gay bar except for a few guys in tank tops. Which, by the way, great. It is kind of giving like, as someone that like spent a lot of his time in Seoul and Gangnam just going to shops, it's giving Gangnam gays. Okay. Yeah, I, I can kind of see that. People people here are very, I feel like they dress up. They I wasn't expecting and... like a place like this to be trendy because when I was here before, it was kind of just very like the infamous video, like choreographed twinks yeah. doing K-pop dances. This is very much not that. Not I'm glad that this isn't the first gay bar I went to. Yeah, that would. No, this is this is a, a gay space, but it, I don't think this is a. And it, it is a little bit of a hub of, of gay culture. I think uh -huh. it's well known and uh, people respect it and did enjoy. You already, but it's because it's a, such a mixed clientele. I think. Yeah. It, did you already explain the difference on the podcast between what Tungu and Taewon? I, I'm not sure. Not really the, in great detail. Basically, just Chongnu is is the is the original the original gay district. Whereas, and I mentioned earlier that that Tony Hong basically owns all of Homo Hill, and I'm not sure exactly the history surrounding that, but perhaps Itaewon as a gay scene did not really even exist until Tony Hong. You'd have to fa fact check me on that, but because the thing I liked about Chongnu was like you go first and you eat. Yeah. Yeah. There's like well, it's all been very the... gender, gentrified now a little bit. They're, they've made Iksandong into this very yeah. hot spot for cafes and that kind of thing, which is nice, honestly, because you, you do have these things to kind of do during the day, and then it's you can like, kind of shuffle to the sidelines and like all the little like polchas. Yeah. Like before the stalls. And I was just like, I was like, look, it's like the gays. You're like, how do you know they're gay? I'm like, look can, at them. You can tell, yeah. <laughs> like they're all sitting around just eating like it's very calculated masculinity that they're yeah. the, the ones, the ones they're that sitting around eating kimchi pancakes and like shrimp stew that's what we had last night that, that, yeah I was like you're just describing what we ate last night oh my god Mr. and Miss hmm? Mr. and Miss oh yeah Mr. and Mrs. there is a there is a couple of old white guys yeah. bald uh, you know just beards. slightly overweight beards it was Mr. Traveling, and Mrs. Traveling, yeah, yeah. What's well, getting to sprinkle a little bit? Should we head back inside? I'm on the next level, level, level. Yeah. Something I've always felt very strongly about Asia is that its repression makes it intensely more interesting. 
when placed under the stresses of regulation, structuralism, traditionalism, and order, a culture's eruptions of abjection and decadence and perversion are all the more sparkling and, and special. Although from my impressions so far, Korea's glue seemed very liquid and tenuous in comparison to some other societies, the eruption comes, of course, spewing forth in the shape of gay culture. Ancient homosexuality existed in Japan, at least, up until very close to the Meiji Restoration. It was the same kind of use of boys that Foucault describes occurring in ancient Greek and Roman societies. But as the West took dominance and lead over the modern development of Asia, these practices were abstracted into unspoken impulses, largely condemned by and bewildering to contemporary and popular thought. So while America and Europe began rapidly developing a commercialized and plastic gay identity, the East was still very wild. This remains perhaps even more potently true for Korea. As Ronald and Brixton reminded me, Korea only became a capitalist endeavor in a serious way some 40 or 50 years ago, far later than Japan and obviously much, much later than America. And its public art scene appears to have made even less scratches at, quote, representing gay people, unquote, than Japan did even in the 60s and 70s. So when the homosexual subject retreats into the gay ghetto, as Larry Kramer once bemoaned, there is a sense of catharsis more extraordinary than almost anywhere I've ever seen when it comes to countries like Korea. Time to participate sexually with one another. Time to share culture and be with people you're neurotically bound to. Time is even more of the essence when your daily life is so repressed. And thus, the men make their bodies more pristine and unbelievable and in pursuit of artistic perfection. They are even more hungry for glamour and exuberance. And there is very little more joyful scenery in the world than gay men gathered together with music so loud they can't possibly stop to bicker with each other. And even beyond the ecstasies of the gay club, there is a private and tremendous ecstasy of power in the homosexual subject of Korea who has the Nietzschean will to say they are a gay man in public. And not only that, but to risk their reputation and livelihood to do it. And even more beyond that, in a state of grace, to devote one's life to cultivating and reforming the world to make that sensation even more universal. Okay, so I'm very surprised to find you because uh, earlier tonight we were actually talking about how you have a very important role in setting up all of this around us, right? <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So maybe for uh, American audiences who aren't familiar with what you do and what your career is like, maybe you could tell us a little bit about who you are. Oh, uh, my name is Hong Seok Chun. That's my Korean name. Uh. You can call me Tony. You can check my uh, Instagram, Tony Hong One Zero Zero Four. That means uh, angel. <laughs> <laughs> 1004 means uh, angel. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So 
I came out on 2000 years. Yes. Quite a long time ago, right? Very long time ago. Yeah. And uh, I'm the first uh, celebrities who did come out yeah. here in Korea. And I lost all of Korea, TV Korea, more than three and a half years mm. after I came out yes. because of uh, I'm gay. And now I'm, I'm back on show business long time ago mm. and uh, now uh, people quite understand my situation and my sexuality mm-hmm. yeah and uh, our country like Korea is really conservative about uh, homosexual things and but uh, because of me we we can talk about this issue mm. and I, I feel like uh, getting better and better and, and young generation, they really, really likes me, because uh, I just uh, speak out of who I am, something like that. I think we're all very glad. For sorry, I'm done. sorry. My English is really bad. Oh no, sorry. not at all. It's perfect. Perfect. Sorry. After I broke up with my American boyfriend, I oh. lost. My... <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> okay. So, when you came out in 2000, yeah. it was the first time anyone had done this in this country, basically. What kind of gave you the courage or the inspiration or the thought to do it? Why did you make the choice to do it? Actually, uh, some people, they came out, but mm-hmm. they are not famous people. Sure, sure. But, uh, yeah, my age, the moment, like 30, mm-hmm. I turned 30, mm-hmm. and also millennium, new millennium, yes. like 2000s. Mm-hmm. So I expect uh, everything's going to change very quickly. And also, we need... We need uh, uh, I think uh, time to talk about this issue mm. on the 21, 21st century, you know? Sure. Yeah, and uh, I'm looking for a role model mm-hmm. for my future, but I couldn't find anyone. Ah. So I thought like, oh, then I could be a role model for anyone. Yes, I think so. so. That's, I think that's very cool. So yeah. I decide to come out mm-hmm. and also I love to I love to live here in Korea because I love Korea ah. I don't want to escape yes to America or another country because of I'm gay mm-hmm. so I decide to okay let's fight That's yeah fine. even alone right. <laughs> yeah I think it takes a <laughs> lot of strength and courage and willpower to yes yes love something so much like your country and yeah. the people around you to yeah. stick up for it and decide yeah, to keep yeah, fighting yeah. for it yeah. so thank you for doing it truly yeah thank you actually uh before i came out i had chance to travel a lot because uh-huh. of i'm famous especially like in netherlands uh-huh. and new york yeah, yeah very so different. yeah very different very different also san francisco mm. so uh, whenever i travel kind of city country i feel like oh my god i really really uh, want uh, korea change like this country or this city something wow. like that and i wish like korean young generation especially like uh, uh, gay gay people or like LGBTQ people. Right. Uh, I wish uh, they have a kind of little hope because of me. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Yeah, yes, sure. So I often hear people say that you are like the the father of Homo Hill <laughs> yes. in, in this in yes. this uh, neighborhood. King of Itaewon. Yeah. Can you explain <laughs> yeah. a little bit about about how this wonderful neighborhood? 
came into being and, exactly and, and your thinking. role in uh, <laughs> actually i i had uh, uh, more than eight restaurant and bar here in wow. Itaewon for a long time before covid but now i, I close everything because because of covid and right. i felt also i getting old so now i have nothing not old. <laughs> not, not very young old, yes but still still uh, straight people they really love to come to Itaewon yes. and they enjoy it, uh, like a different culture different uh, sexuality they can meet they can talk they can they, they can have experience with a uh, like a minority culture yeah. also so so my neighborhood and also gay people they really admire me yes you are I changed big, this. A big hero. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be standing here if it hadn't been for you know what you did here. Yeah. Because when I was figuring out where to stay, I said, "Well, I want to go and see the gay people." Yeah. So of course, I chose to stay like an Itaewon, and I would have never, never have come honestly if uh -huh. there wasn't a gay scene here. So, I think you've done a lot of amazing foundational work for the culture here. And uh, thank you. Thinking about you know all of that. Uh, what kind of comment would you give to someone or what advice would you give about how to lead your life? Like how, what would you tell people about how they should lead their lives? Uh, I, I, I don't understand the what, uh, what, what advice question. would you give how to live? Yes. Oh, be yourself. Like oh, your life oh okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, to, do, to be like you to, to, I think like, uh, it's really important. Uh, how, who you are, who you really are, and uh, who live with you. I mean, like a good friend, good family, and good uh, place. So, so I wish that people can find good people, good place, and good oh. culture. Yeah, like oh, yeah. A, something like that. So that. That's what I want to say, like be yourself and be ambitious to be yourself, something like that. I think if everyone had the same kind of courage you did and the same belief in their self, I think the world would be a much better place. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> whenever, whenever I did, uh, what, counseling mm -hmm. through the Instagram? Yes and other channels and uh, there's uh, many um, many young or old also like uh, queer people yeah. still in the closet and they they, they really really want to uh, come out to their family and friends something like that but they still very afraid uh, uh, after come out yeah what's gonna happen for them so I always said you don't need to be you don't need to come out but if you want to live true happiness mm. just to come out to your friend first yes yes yes. Or yeah or your family first mm. yeah you don't need to come out to whole world you, you understand what I'm saying of course yes it yeah. can be a gradual process. Yes, yes, yes. You don't yes, even ever have to yeah. totally come out. Yes, know. yes. Yeah. If you have only one good friend, that's, that's really yeah. help. 
as long as you have one person who yes, cares. Yes, yes, yeah. That's the start point, yeah. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us. <laughs> I won't take up any more of your time, but I really appreciate everything you had to say to us tonight. Let's have fun at the Key Club. Yes, yeah. we're going it's to. It's Saturday, it's Friday night. Yes. <laughs> it's That was staking to the core. Riveting, right? This, okay. Oh so. wait, <laughs> the context of this is that there's a musical gap after the interview, <laughs> and then I'm like, I can't believe this has happened. I have so many thoughts. We are talking and this about is me as like the J-pop writer. As the what? As the J-pop writer. Okay. Okay. Are we? Are we? Are we recording? No, I, I've been recording. Okay. So the thing is, though, is that this. So. You were here the night of the infamous Itzy, uh, what is this song called? Sneakers. No, not sneakers. Itzy, I don't want to be somebody. So, um, that song. So, me, me. I want to be me, me, me. So, that song, basically, the Korean public had an image of what gay bars were like. And then that video came out and people were like, oh, it's just like twinks dancing to K-pop songs. So, this is like... I thought that was like a one-time thing. People thought it was like a one-time thing. But I went out when I got here and I was just like, oh, even bears do that. So the thing is, though, is that we came to King tonight and the site of that video, and it really is like a full-on thing. You need to, ex you need to explain the spectacle a little bit. Yeah, I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the reins. I'm going to take the reins about this because I was very moved. It's Stan Twitter. No, it's, it is much beyond, beyond that. that. It's Stan Twitter, but they actually no, like no. do it in real life. No, no. It's, it's way beyond that. Well, it's I large. No, it's much yeah. more than Stan Twitter. Stan Twitter is an online identity. This is not an identity. This is a passion. It's a lifestyle. This is a movement. It's a dream. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> if Stan Twitter was a lifestyle. Okay, what we were describing, because no one knows at all yet, we went into King, and Brixton said when it turns like the half hour or so, they changed the music to K-pop and people dance. I said, okay. It's pretty dead up until that point. Just people kind of Yeah, it was pretty empty. You know, and... some people standing around smoking cigarettes and throwing them on the floor. It's a revolution for me. <laughs> but then out of nowhere, the music changes to K-pop. They start putting the K-pop videos on the screen. And we are featured for a whole f half hour of dance features. It's the drag show, basically. It is a drag show. And I don't, I, yeah, that's what, I, it's drag. It's literally yeah, drag. Yeah, yeah. It's and a, I don't mean to be oh. offensive, but this is not your average uh, J-pop little doo-doo-doo, little dance moves. They are, they are it's That is offensive, by the way, but I do understand. <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly what I'm, talk, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh my god, they're no. They're face, they're, they're d bouncing off the walls. The narrative spectacle, because they do, what 10 11 songs or, or something so something like that yeah and like 
during this, uh, certain performers come on stage and then leave stage. And you see what I mean? The, the how incredible it is! How quickly they they real they know they figure out who is which member it's like a and who is playing show. which part. I thought any, they had figured it out before. Without any without any words between them, they just kind of all sync it's up like, a, like they're a drag getting show into the Twitter had a baby. I, like, I refuse to associate with this Stan Twitter because it's too pure and beautiful. No, because the thing is, it was at like, it's, well, like a, is, it's like Stan Twitter is a lifestyle. Oh, drag queen, drag queen, drag queen. Where? Just like Marilyn Monroe. Where? How are you missing it? Oh, oh I see. Marilyn. Well, good for her. Anyway, sorry. No, but they. I get the Stan Twitter comparison because it's like, oh, it's, the, no, it's so but different. I, they I completely disagree. If you took they, it, no, it's like if you took they Stan, are the stars. If you took yeah. Stan Twitter to another level where it became a lifestyle. No, Stan Twitter is gross. No, because <laughs> the thing about them is that Stans are never stars. Like there are a few who like uh, crack through. But the thing is, that the... those people are stars. Like when I was mentioning earlier that like they come on stage, they go off stage quickly. You get to know these reoccurring characters. It's a whole narrative drama. You love narrative drama. I do. I love a long form narrative it's drama. It's the Tommy episode. Exactly. And then you know what we got on stage is that one guy in the tracksuit with the black mask yes. who would come on like every three songs and would eat it up yes. every time. Was it the one so in the Fifty Percent shirt? He's the one who would pick center stage no matter like he. Yeah. It's impossible not to be looking at him when I think it's the Fifty Percent shirt. I have like, I'm like really. This is a paradigm shit. This one. Uh, no, this it is. Because yeah. you know what? I, I don't like the music. But then when they were doing the Is One song, you had your hands up in the air. I snapping. was spinning, girl. When he, spinning world. When, when he took out his little, uh, what is that called? Oh, when he <laughs> took. Okay, they it, he, they were doing Likey by Twice. Yeah. Likey, Likey, Likey by Twice. <laughs> And he took out a makeup compactor, and I was living boots. Like honestly, oh, I was. What I can get over is I feel like nobody is like screaming and and cheering. Is they're all just it was just a a regular like everyone's just eating it up like it's uh, like it's a Wednesday night, and it's just like like, oh yeah. So this is like me as like the J-pop writer, which is basically like. I hate to say this, but like basically J-pop is like is lacking that kind of like energy. Energy. It's really lacking it. Like no, Stop. like no one, no one is gonna go crazy like this over a fucking Nokizako or Sakurazaka forty six. No, 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 you're wrong. They would. Okay, they would. Who is going? Okay, can you name Sakurazaka forty six choreography? I don't like them. Who does? No one. I like Keikizaka. I like Nogizaka. Keikizaka became is there... become Sakurazaka. No, they no became, one is dancing. No, they like became that in like K-pop. it starts with an H and then they change. There's a no. That's Hanata. No, Sakura is the splinter group off of that. No, 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 no. So Keikizaka died and yeah. became Sakurazaka. No, they became the, the other group, one first. The sister group is Hinata Zaka. Well, Sakura is okay, the sister let's, group. Okay, let's go to gym. Okay. <laughs> no, but I, I just want to say the thing is though is that basically like. What we need is like kind of like pussy energy in J-pop, and it lacks, and that's the issue. Okay, but I'm not actually. I completely disagree. I think there's no pussy energy in any of the music that we heard. Likey, likey, likey. Oh my god. No, no, no pussy. Do you do the backpedal that fast? No, but here's what I'm saying. There's no pussy in that. But those gay men get on stage and they feel pussy. They do. And then they turn it into an art performance on stage in the spinning world. They literally, like, they Which make reminds it art. Me, I was just like, would you ever go to a club and hear spinning world, spinning girl? I wish I would. Maybe they should. Maybe there is just a problem. You should DJ. I should. Yes. I know. I will come to Japan for your DJ night. My DJ set will kill. Let me know. Actually, uh, <laughs> will Japan let me in? That's the question. Probably not. 
Probably it, not. Until maybe November is my guess. I'm the spun world, spun girl now. Yeah, you've been spun, but you're not spinning. I'm sorry that we just screamed Brixton, but I had a lot. I really felt very emotional about that. I, we all felt emotional. We oh. were all there. I mean, um, the thing is though, you, you don't have to lean in so close, dear. One of one of my <laughs> moments was like, literally, they played like four minutes "Hot Issue," which is like 2009, 2010, 2011 K-pop, which is like my peak K-pop era. And I'm like, wait a minute, a bunch of fags in a bar, like. What hot issue? Ha! And like, I was like, oh my god. Oh, I feel like I've fallen back into like a time warp, another perfume reference. Well, it's time, I think. So now we're going to gym, sports pub. Yes. Is this going to be the bar where I'm finally acknowledged by someone because I have been the invisible people, the, all the night? The people here can be kind of snooty. Uh, oh, so I'm the, in big the, trouble. I'm, I'm curious, though, because there is a gym bar in New York and also in L.A., so is this one related? Well, there's an eagle, in, a, in as we discussed with Tony, which, oh, by yeah. the way, I want everyone to know, listening, the, the fact that that happened is... Gag. Like, it, it's a gag. I'm so popular, gag miracle. But anyway... I hope I get some attention in this bar. Not that I've been trying at all, but it would be nice, so... Okay. Are you looking for attention? Who, me? Last full day in Korea, Brixton and I went to go see a couple of installation exhibits at the MMCA Seoul Gallery. Hito Styro's first Asian exhibition was on display, and we spent several hours together sitting in lawn chairs in brightly blue-lit black chambers and on beanbags watching short films in strange medium displays addressing the contemporary digital blight. My favorite of the videos was about 40 minutes in length, projected on an oblong screen above several wave-shaped beanbags on a curving frame, and the museum's description read as Liquidity Inc. Global Fluidity. We live today in an era where everything moves and circulates freely. Our age of worldwide networks and global capitalism is characterized by constant movement of people, capital, objects, and information. In the digital world, key information and value drifts about as images and data. Kito Styrol uses the term circulationism to describe this new paradigm of free-flowing and cycling in everything from countries to love, and from the public to the personal realm. This exhibition features the work Liquidity Inc., which features the lines, I am Liquidity Incorporated. I run through your veins, your eyes, your touchscreens, and portfolios. Here, she alludes to ways in which today's circulationism, which centers on liquidity and fluidity, has reached beyond our bodies and physical environments to deeply permeate the data-based society that governs our day-to-day life. 
This circulationism also offers a new perspective for understanding contemporary art and images. The artist employs the term poor image to refine the image's new value in the liquidity age. The poor image that she refers to is a low-resolution image reproduced as part of a fluid process of endless transmitting, transferring, compression, and reformatting. The images are the wretched of the screen, but the more salient characteristics lie in their swift speed, proliferation, and circulation rather than their materiality. These characteristics also reflect aspect of our lives in the digital era. I thought the idea of the poor image was really profound when I was thinking about just exactly how my imagined makeup of Korea was rendered by these poor images. I was particularly moved by this piece. Uh, it's both funny and tragic, displaying a Vietnamese war orphan turned to Lynchian MMA announcer, <laughs> reconciling with the weather of our networked souls. This figure, Jason Wood, believes that to cope with the perils of reality, we must become water, we must become liquid. The on-screen representation of this urge, replete with on-screen emails describing the creative process and a news report detailing Google Glass, really made me think about those uh, perceptions I had of Korea. Everything I've ever known about the nation came from the internet. By the time I was in middle school, the network, the accursed mechanism which simultaneously tortures and makes a tangible entity of my soul, was the only interface by which I derived real information about the country. In real time, South Korea became gelatinous water composed of K-pop and parasite screenshots and internet pornography. When the entire world is connected in a limitless ocean of knowledge, the melt of perceptions stick themselves even more deeply into your cognizance. The human body is some percentage of water, and that water is bestowed with sadistic majesty by the network. Only experience could divide the water from me. Only having it forcibly welled by phenomenological occurrence could sap me of my perception. The gay men performing twice in perfect unison and actualizing their passion into a visible gesture on stage finally started to dry me of those waters. Of course, the liquid internet is unavoidable. We need water to live. Machines and circuits continue to click forward in a gushing river of violent perceptions. And there was one other installation we got to see. A series of mechanical sculptures funded by Hyundai. Hyundai? How do you say it? I don't even know. <laughs> but anyway, it was focused on the concept of a, of a human engine. A technological realization of the human species and its will to drive forward. Brixton and I stood in total awe for some 15 minutes watching one sculpture titled uh, Red made with uh, some uncanny and eponymously colored plastic. It flexes, withdraws, expands, and tightens in a truly terrifying movement. The plastic blades stretching impossibly toward us seemed unreal and sublime in the most unfriendly ways. I, I can't even tell you like how freaky it was to hear these things nestling against each other. We, we both had goosebumps, honestly. A machine was programmed and engineered to move just so, 
just so that it could stir grandiose and incredible feelings in its onlookers. Red, a culmination of capitalized technology and Hyundai Motors, suggested to me an overpowering triumph in the onslaught of progress, the ache of modernity. There's no turning back from what and where we are. There's no deletion of the lake of misperception. There's only the overwhelming electronic universe and our ability to cope with it, to look it straight in the backlit eye, tremble in fear, and then embrace the experience. Being so moved by this sculpture, I think about all of the Koreas floating through my perception and parted on me by the internet and I We uh, went to gym, it was empty, we went back to King. Uh, there'll be a little bit more after this, I'm sure, but what did we gain from this monumentous, historic night in the world of I'm So Popular? Ronald? What did we gain? Um, we gained a... We talked to Tony Hong. That's the most important like, thing that happened, by that far. Is, like It was just like very serendipitous that he happened to be there. And you were like being a little like pussyfoot, and we're just like, I don't want to talk to him. I'm scared. But then like we were like, go, do it. You have to do it. This is your chance. This is Nami Amuro chase the chance. Um, exactly. But you know what? I do yeah, chase the we, chance. We were like discussing him literally like ten minutes prior. Ten minutes Maybe earlier. It was really crazy. And, and then you did talk to him. I did. And it's, then, it's not like he's out here every weekend either. This is only the second time I've ever, I've ever seen him. Mm. Very serendipitous. And hopefully, hopefully Brixton takes him up on his offer and becomes like the like star of the like the white star of the dramas. Like whenever they need like a white guy in a drama, Brixton can be like the star. That would be like the moment. No, absolutely. I think it's gonna happen. But for me. Um, kind of like poke your arm, it looks very firm. I haven't done this either yet. Wow. Softer than you thought. It's soft. Well, that's because he's not tensing it. Can you tense it? Oh, it's hard now. That's how muscles work. <laughs> um, I feel like the highlight one, <laughs> It was kind of blasphemous to say something top of Tony Hong, but I mean, see, getting to see Zach's reaction uh, in King. No, I think that's maybe my highlight okay. too, and I think Tony would, would be had to hear, would be happy to hear that. No, that's that's the that's the experience I, you want to I, I think I think I caught one of the highlights, which would be. <laughs> <laughs> You yelling, sneakers! Itchy sneakers! But the fact is, is that like, I think that itchy sneakers is the worst song ever made. But you, you, but you, you, you have, I live. You have been live. talking I about how horrible the song yeah, is. Yeah, I know. Because it's the worst song ever made, and that's why it's also the best. And yet, put my sneakers on. You know what it is? Did you ever like Vanessa Hudgens' Sneaker Night? No. It's the same thing. It's a sequel. It's the it's the sequel. Well, it's, it's like it's like Disney pop to K-pop. If you didn't like the Disney pop version, you're not gonna like the K-pop version. My ultimate comment about the whole night tonight is that uh, being gay is fucking boots. Straight people would privilege. never be able to ha went through what we did. <laughs> they would never be able to go to South Korea, go to the gay district, meet the most famous gay man in Korea, and then feel ecstasy watching a bunch of gay men perform songs. 
and I'm very happy to be a homosexual, and I love Korea. <laughs> the, the episode's not done. Oh my what? god! Stay tuned. There's more coming, I'm sure. There, I still have another. This is the team night. It's I still have like another 27 hours left, so. We're gonna milk it. To think this all started with like you being on a space, and I came in the space when I was at work hiding in the Chanel stock room, <laughs> and me being just like, also, Zach, guess what? And you're like, what? I was like, Ken Kokuni Ikimas. That's exactly how he said it too. And you're like, Ken Koku Doshite. I would never talk like that. Zach hasn't even told you guys about uh, what happened before we went out clubbing uh, for dinner. Because I'm such a gracious, humble person. Well, that's, they I need didn't, to know. They really you know, need to I know. didn't have to mention the fact that a beautiful, beautiful model straight girl, skinny, huge boobs, beautiful face. Snatched waist. Just snatched to the heaven. She, not, she didn't hit on me. She begged for the dick. And <laughs> she I, flicked a lip. And you know what the thing is, is that I have... Brixton here to confirm oh, it. I'm not I, exaggerating. I she was literally all all over him, clawing at him, asking to go over a smoke every five minutes so she could try to drag him away. At one time, uh, she said to me, us, go. <laughs> and that's what she said. Um, I didn't get a speck of male attention, but it was all worth it because I feel gay ecstasy. To keep the, the topic going, Got me looking for attention. Well, new jeans. Stream new jeans. On that note, uh, we'll say, uh, how do you say goodnight in Korean? 안녕하세요. 잘자. 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 Sleep well. I see a guy in a Montclair shirt and I'm father. Parenthesis 6. An exploding glass bottle. The next night was my final night in Korea. And I stayed up drinking until the early hours so I could stay up all night to catch my flight. And Brixton and Ronald were sitting next to me on the curve and I was waving at the beautiful men passing me by. There are more people on this street than you can imagine. And I was feeling something close to transcendence, I think. The world exists to stab you with new feeling. Nothing is concrete. Reality is fluid. I was warm with lingering sweat from the shirtless men I rubbed against at the club called Jim. An example of life in old Korea. To be so surprised by a blooming shade of human exuberance, bursting forth in graffiti and trash on the streets, and embracing cup and flight attendant sleeves, is what made the country sometimes called Hell Korea. Heaven. A taxi right in front of us rolled over a glass beer bottle and it burst into pieces right before my very eyes. Forever.